Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fuel like the All with Healthspan Elite Ultimate Whey Protein, 750 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now $49.99. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. She's been through it in the last few years. Injury, COVID, split from dad, back with dad, and back with a vengeance. Just hate it, you know. Um, you know, you go to school and you, you know, you want to have a punch on with the boys that are going for Queensland. So, um, yeah, you just, yeah, I, I hate boys that still do. Super Rugby has to find a way to be more competitive and more demanding on the players so we get games like we got, as I mentioned before, you know, the Brumbies Chiefs semi-final and the final itself. Two fantastic games of footy. Now, if we could get those every week or similar standards to those every week, then people would flock to it. Good morning, Izzy Kempe for breakfast, SCNZ. It's just after six o'clock. You got the team in the studio. You got Kez running the kitchen. Oh, I hope you're enjoying that little start there, a little snippet into what's coming up on the show. A little bit of Steve Hansen there. We're going to be talking Wimbledon, Origin. The Warriors team has been named. New Zealand football, finally. Announcing their new coach, but it's a big good morning to you up there in Auckland. Kempy, Sammy Hewitt, are you too okay? <laughs> yeah, mate, we got our punch on early on. We got our punch yeah, got on early on. Yeah, yeah, New South Wales, Queensland. Sammy's uh, obviously thinks he's, a, thinks he's a bit of a Bradman best, the best <laughs> ever. Um, but uh, mate, no, nah, good back to be be back down here. Daggy back in the uh, back in the show with uh, one Sammy Hewitt, and he's got um he's got the ankle bracelet on, so it's a it's a one meter distance at all times. <laughs> is he when he's in the studio? Been... Otherwise, he gets tasered. <laughs> oh yeah, you would too. How you been, brother? It's uh it's actually not not too bad down here today. It's nice and uh, nice and warm this morning. Got out 
and about a little bit, a little bit of rain. I'll tell you what, over over one hundred percent over the rain. But um, man, there's just so much going on in sport at the moment. That chat from Bradman Best yesterday about getting getting our punch on um, with New South <laughs> Wales Queensland. Mate, I'll tell you what, Freddie needs to get his punch on. He needs to he needs to hurry up and get his punch on because we're talking about it this morning out here. I think uh, the system in the New South Wales organisation is broken. Um, mm. If you look at what Queensland have been doing for a number of years, I can take it back to 2010 when Mel Meninga. I got a phone call from a, um, a, I think it's Darren um, Bedell from Brisbane. He writes for the Courier Mail. And he gave me a call, and he was right behind New Zealand's plight internationally to try and get the Kiwis back up and running because we were losing so many players to origin. And he gives me a call, and he says, hey, Kempe, uh, I've just got a phone call, mate, out of North Queensland. Mal Meninga met with Jason Tomalolo last night um, up, in que- uh, up in North Queensland to get him to play origin for Queens- Queensland. And, of course, I'd picked Jason Tomalolo at the time in the junior Kiwis. So I was straight on the plane, went to the CEO, the boss, and I said, mate, I've got to go up to North Queensland. Jumped on a plane. I, I flew straight in into North Queensland, met with his parents and convinced them to come back and play for New Zealand. And as you know, he played for New Zealand. Then he went back to Tonga. And just as recently as this year, they've seen whether or not Jason Tomalolo can come back and play for Queensland. But the point I'm making is in 2010, they had understood the significance of the Pacifica um, and what they were doing to origin. And Meninga, especially um, after Wayne Bennett's creation of that academy up there, had built that uh, that significant understanding of that. And I just think New South Wales at the moment, they're stuck in Mm. a time warp, mate. They are absolutely stuck in a time warp. And I think a systematic problem that they've got over there, just not just with not understanding the Pacifica, but also not understanding how how to work that academy system that Queensland have put in place. I can see it. I know, don't care what Bradman Best is saying, but I can see Queensland winning this for another 10 years. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree, Kempe. Uh, Cam Smith has, has come out already. He's obviously part of the Queensland. He couldn't understand uh, Freddie's selections that he's uh, put to, to State of Origin 3. Back home in New South Wales, a lot of changes. Uh, I guess they've got to try something, Sammy. Um, what they're doing at the moment is not working. Really, you know, ringing the changes. Is that the right way to go about it? Is that the right way for Freddie to, to save his job? If Freddie is able to find a way to win this series, is his job safe? Uh, well, he's clutching at straws. He, he should have made the changes in Game 2. Me and Kempe, we, we, we talked about that a lot ahead of Game 2. And um, there were some pretty easy changes to make. Like, I just think there was too much... I mean, he picks on form Freddie. I mean, you have Bradman Best, who's played one good game this year, scoring a hat-trick against the Bulldogs, and they put 66 points on, so he throws him in the team. Um, and it was a similar... Um, it felt like a similar decision um, the before game two, where it was... Uh, who was it that had the good game on the... Well, I guess even Turbo. These guys that were under pressure had, had one good game mm. the weekend before, and he even said that influenced me picking them for the team that weekend, just that one game on the weekend. And you need to sort of just park loyalty for a second because every man and his dog knows that James Tedesco is not playing his best rugby league at the moment. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. So you're saying you've got, I'm, pick, I'm leaving it right to the last minute and I'm picking players on form yeah. and then you've left James Tedesco on the side. Doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and, and he's just he has left it too late. It's game three. His job was on the line on game two. It, it's, it's done. He, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses this one, Kempe. I think he's gone. Yeah. Um, so his job was on the line in game two. Why he didn't try and 
try and do something differently there, uh, we'll never know. But uh, I'm with you. It's funny, like three or four years ago, when New South Wales, when the sides came out, you looked at it and you went, oh my God, the New South Wales team is stacked to the rafters, right? When you saw Payne Haas, when you saw Damien Cook, when you saw Tedesco, when you saw Cleary, you thought this is unreal. Mm. And then you saw Queensland and you were like, who the hell is, you know... Um, Mate, if you had love, where's the Ruben... Who's this Ruben yeah, Cotter? Yeah, who the hell's Ruben Cotter? And, you know, <laughs> who are these other guys here that, you know, the Ford Pack's going to get absolutely walked over. Tommy Flegler, what the hell? But now, when I look, when I see the two teams, I'm in Kempe's camp, I'm like, Queensland's going to win this for the next five years. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a real tough situation for Freddie. I watched him do a, a Channel 9 interview. They, they ramped it up on social saying, you know, he's had a crack at them in and around the, the non-selection of Nico Hines, which isn't the case. He's just said, you know, Nico Hines unfortunately plays on the other side of the football field, the right, which is the side that Moses plays on. And of course, as we know, Cody Walker just runs a clinic down that left edge. Um, and it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances. But just looking at him so, and seeing the amount of pressure that he's under, is he? It's, it's that coaching that coaching thing that you you get to mm. in your career, you know, he's he's been under that pressure before too, don't get me wrong, with Sydney City. So you've got to remember that he coached Sydney City there and uh, he's been in that back end of of, uh, of a situation where he's not going too well. So he's had a bit of experience there. Uh, don't, I just don't see them, even with the side that they've selected, getting over this Queensland team that's just so stable. Yeah, I can understand Cody Walker's inclusion. Um, he's been going great guns for the Rabbitohs, and particularly on the weekend in, in dire conditions, really led that team and showed the Warriors how to play with, with the footy. Um, but, uh, yes, the other selections, like, is Bradman best, the best centre available no, for no. them in selection? You know, like, that, that's the thing. He's come out of absolutely nowhere. Seen a lot of potential there over the last couple of years in the centres for Newcastle, but reality is, is he the best of... Best option for them to potentially win this game? Well, you've got to, you've got to look, for me, you've got to look at the competition. So, mm. you know, Sammy, Sammy's already said it. They play um, the Bulldogs and they've got 66 points. It's like the Cowboys against West Tigers and you throw in the West Tigers centre, uh, the Cowboys centre, and you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think if you look at the competition, Cronulla have two very good centres and Ramey and, and uh, Talakai. And mm. then if you look at Brisbane, they have two very good centres. And Farnsworth and and well, I would and Stags. I would argue that Farnsworth and Stags are, are up there as the best centre. Pe- I, I would say they're almost the best centre pairing in the competition, along with Campbell Graham and, and that's Isaiah. Why, and that's why. And of course, you have got um, Targo as well from Penrith. So Correct. You've yeah. got five centres there that Bradman Best has stepped over, and he's in the system because he's been a junior New South Wales player. But at this stage, like, is it the best thing? Like if you're going to go down that, this is this is the point that Cam Smith's making. If you're going to go down that path, then use players like Nico Hines. Use your future players like Tedesco's got to come out. You've got to put Dylan Edwards at the back. You know what I mean? You've got to leave Payne Haas in there. You've got to build your comp. See the problem that they got is that this is game three of a of an Origin series, and you're talking combinations. Queensland have dealt to them in the last two, and they get them on the third one when everything is nice and crisp. And then I've got to work. I've got a week to work this combination out. I've got my remember, life for me. I can't see. And you got to remember as well. Billy Slater's had made the bold decision not to have Caelan Ponga in the team, which everyone you know scratched their heads at initially. Um, and and Caelan's been playing great football since he's come back, Kempi. In the last three or four games, he's been fantastic for the Knights. He's the kind of player that Freddie probably would have picked based on form. But here's Billy Slater sticking to his guns and saying we've we've parked Caelan for this year. And it, it works for them. Free would have picked them. If he yeah, was New, if he New South Wales, Caelan probably would have picked them, put him yeah. in a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of his situation? 
turning down the opportunity to potentially come back after being missed? Is it a bit more of a stuff you kind of situation from Kalen Ponga? Or has he made the right decision for his body and his mind? Oh, look, I think he made that call early on. I did, you know, and mm-hmm. I think Billy Slater's, mate, he's astute. You know, so he's gone. You can imagine the conversation. It's your Cam Smith and I'm Billy Slater, and we've gone, mate, we've got this Reese Walsh, and we've got this Kalen Ponga, and Kalen Ponga's had four HIAs already this year. What do we do? You know, and there he's, he's, you know, arguably the best fullback that's ever played for Queensland and your captain. And they would have made a decision and said, mate, well, we don't want to lose lose an HIA. We lose a bench player. It, it stuffs up our interchange. You know, let's go with Reese Walsh and give him a crack. And I wouldn't be surprised if Billy, as astute as he is, along with Cam Smith, would have talked with Kalen on a personal level and just been like, mate, you just need you just need to have a season under your belt with your club. Yeah. Forget about representative. Forget about Kangaroos. Forget about New, uh, uh, Queensland. Just have a season for the nights where you try and get through without a major injury and let's you know, get your head in the right space. Because, um, you know, they're, that's, they're those sorts of people, Billy Slater and Cam Smith, Kempe. You know, they I feel like they are the one of the best. Oh, of course they the would, best man- they would have spoken. And, 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 and Origin is man-managing more than anything, you yeah. know. It's not so much coaching, it's man-managing. And I think they do it a lot better than New South Wales. Well, that's what, that's what I was saying about the system. I think the system's broke. I don't know where they go to. Like, people say, well, who's the next coach? Like, you've got a 1,000 coaches in, in there that can coach them, but I don't know who they're going to go to because mm. I don't think a coach at the moment wants to pick up the New South Wales job because the system's not right. So, you know, you'd be, you'd be, oh, I don't know, thinking or considering the possibility of, of coming into a system that's not going to work for you anyway. So I don't think they get a Bellamy. I don't think they get a Ricky Stewart. You know, if it's someone, it's a transitional coach, possibly a full Gould. Possibly a former um, Newcastle Knights um, half in Kiwi International. <laughs> oh! I was just thinking. Who's, I was just thinking. Tony Kemp. <laughs> cut it out. I was just thinking who's the Queenslander because my head's going. I'm going. Who would you go and get from Queensland to come over? Like who is that guy that just doesn't care and t- comes in and teaches New South Wales all that sort of stuff? Um, no one would. No one would. No, no, way, way, no, way. no, no way, way a Queenslander would go. A New South Wales probably would <laughs> go to Queensland, but not the other way. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance of that. Coaching. Speaking of coaches, lads, we got. Steve Henson coming up after 8 o'clock. Looking forward to playing that out for you. Uh, plenty going on with uh, World Rugby, obviously the Expansion Nations Cup. We've got Simon Cambers talking Wimbledon as well, Sammy. Yeah, boys, lots of... Uh Lots of, I want to say lots of upsets, but a couple of massive results out of Wimbledon, which you always expect in the first couple of rounds. There's been a lot of rain about, mm. so lots of games got delayed yesterday, particularly in the men's side. Um, I was just looking through it today. Uh, Philippe uh, Agour-Alissime, the uh, Canadian who was uh, the 11th seed, got knocked out by an unseeded American, Michael Mmo. Mo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, he lost in four sets <laughs> and a couple of tie breaks in there as well. So that's probably the biggest result on the men's side. Uh, you, you know Nick Kyrgios pulled out late as well, so he's not going to mm. feature there. Uh, and then on the women's side, the big one is Coco Goff, uh, who went down, I think she was the seventh seed, and she's gone down to um, an unseeded qualifier, which is uh, which is unbelievable as well. Wow. Uh, Kieran, or Kieran, I think her name was Kieran, the, the female player, not Kieran out in the kitchen here, but Kieran, a female um, American player. So, uh, lots going on. And uh, look, I we had the um, the Wimbledon grounds keeper on uh, last week, and uh, you know how obsessed I am with lawns and grass, Kempi. It's uh, if if the tennis isn't keeping me entertained, it's the beautiful stripes of the Wimbledon oh, lawn. Izzy, that looks good. That looks so good. Well. It's so good. It is so good. And you got a roller, have you? Have you got, you got a roller? roller? 
I made my own roller, mate. You know, I put. I, I, yeah, I. I you I've, did not. I've got my push. I've got my um. You know, my push mower, and I uh, went to Bunnings and I grabbed some PVC pipe, put some um, sand and cement in it, kept it on either end, and I dr- drilled some holes into the back of the mower and attached it to that. And there's hey, my striper. Hey, Izzy, you know that was his nickname. Wow. It's immediate roller. Because players used to just roll over the top of them. <laughs> no, they actually, do you know that? Funnily enough, if you want to talk nicknames, they actually call me the eel. Because I used to just slip Ooh. through. I, used to, I was quite small and I just no one could sort of get a hand on me. I just slipped eel. underneath them. <laughs> slipped underneath them. But, uh, but you know, the, work that go, the work that goes in, you boys can appreciate it. Um, the work that goes oh. into keeping those grounds maintained, like they get mowed every morning, they get tested constantly, like for moisture mm. and pH level and I all saw that this sort of bouncer. It's... Did you see the bouncinator, they call it? So they hold this. They got this thing. Yeah. They got hold it, They hold it above their head. It's got a ball in it, mm. and he pulls a little button, and it drops a ball, and the ball bounces, and they catch it, and then the, and then measures the bounce in the grass. It's like it's insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the, the work that goes into it and uh, and how good it still looks at the end of the the two weeks. I mean, the baseline gets a bit of a hammering, but everything else is phenomenal. And Sammy, are you quite particular on your lawn? Like, are you yeah. really? Lawn porn through and through. Mate, love yeah. it. Love seeing it. What you're doing. Like the preparation goes involved. Are you real hard out? You don't want people to walk on it? Yeah. I, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell, <laughs> so I'll where t- does your dog go? No, no, hold on. He has a special area. That's, that he, this is, I'm going to tell <laughs> Are a story. you kidding me? I'm going to tell a story that is going to, it's going to open up a can of worms, particularly for Tony Kemp. In fact, I'd like for him Come to on. remove his headphones. I still get flack from my mates. So um, we had uh, Charlie's first birthday party and uh, the, the lawn was all getting built up to this sort of big party for everyone. And um, I found a product online um, called Lawn Pigment. And you basically mix it in with water and it's spray painting your lawn to give it an extra green look. <laughs> oh, yes. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, so there I've you go. <laughs> the, fla- the flack I got from the boys for painting my lawn, literally painting my lawn. The problem was, though, I, I, I read the label. It said, you know, do it. It's dry within sort of 12, 24 hours. You can walk on it. I did it two days out, 48 hours. Everyone comes to the party. Everyone's having a great time. As everyone's about to leave, they walk off the lawn they all look at their shoes and the bottom of everyone's shoes is just like painted green because it obviously had just worn off. So uh, that's the extent of my, uh, that's, that's how hard out I am about the lawn um, as I did used to sort of get. So the, you've um, got a special area for your dog to, to go. Yeah. He wasn't allowed on the lawn. Oh, full disclosure, the lawn got. Um, He's got socks too. The, the lawn, the lawn died <laughs> off uh, with the flood. With the flood that we yeah, had up in Auckland, okay. so it got absolutely hammered there, and I I wasn't able to mow it, and and um, bits of it got completely washed away. So it is it's in renovation mode, uh, but yeah, the dog. <laughs> Do you call it? Uh, I I would have I would have caught it probably um, before the rain, but uh, Did yeah. Did peel it? Nah, but I'll get down with I'll get down with the scissors and the hair clippers just to <laughs> get, get any strays. <laughs> I can't wait to come out there. I'm with you, I can't Sammy. wait to come out there and kick some goals. The I thing mean, is, is he won't. Like, you know, back in the old day when there's no tea, I'm got a few seconds in there. What, the, 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 is he once you start, man? Once you start, you can't stop. And then, um, uh. and you know that if you leave it and you let it die, all that work was for nothing. So you just can't. You just you just have I've to. I've left it. I've left my lawn. It started with a hiss and a roar, oh. fertilizer, uh, spray, um, growth regulator, everything. Everything. And then the my dog has come along. Growth regulator. Got the right on? You got the right on as <laughs> well. <Growth> regulator. <laughs> it grows too fast sometimes, Kempe. You can't afford to mow it every day. Oh. But uh, so, yeah, look, and then my dog came along. 
um, uh, and I've got a female dog, and you can imagine the brown spots around the entire section, so mm. that's why I got the green paint. I used to paint these green little parts <laughs> <laughs> to get rid of these brown patches. Jeepers. Oh. Jeepers. You go good at Wimbledon. Yeah, I reckon I'll do, it. I'll do a good enough job. So here we go. Uh, can't wait question of the day for you, boys. I'm going to put it around Wimbledon. Um, Roger Federer came out as well, uh, got the standing ovation from the crowd. Um, so we're going to have to put another shortlist together. I'll get a couple from you boys after the break, and uh, you can text her on double eight double three. I want the most iconic player to uh, venue or competition sort of relationship. So like when I think of Wimbledon, I think of Roger Federer, right? Mm. That's exactly what I think of. Kimby, when you think of State of Origin, who's the one player you think of? Oh, Mel Meninga. There you go. Is he? Rugby World Cup, who do you think of? Mm, Michael Jones. Ooh, that's a good one. Nice. Yeah, I was going to mm. say John Kerwin, that try against Italy mm, when I yeah. think Rugby World Cup. Michael so there, Jones, so there probably. You go. Let's build a shortlist and we'll put it up on our uh, on the on the polls as well. Can't wait, question of the day. The most uh, iconic uh, athlete to sport uh, duo uh, for competitions and we'll, uh, we'll revisit that one a bit later on in the show. Beautiful. Love it. Absolutely love that. Send your messages through. Double eight, double three. Can't wait. Question of the day. Iconic sports and venues. First names that spring to mind. I've got a couple springing to my mind. I love my golf, so there's no doubt you know where I'm going with that situation. But keep those messages coming through. It is uh, Wednesday, and it's just after 6 o'clock. We've got a big show ahead, so stay tuned. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. For year-round allergies and hay fever, try to Mr. Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. Is it the look in your eyes or is it this dancing juice? Who cares, baby? I think I want to marry you. Hey! Kimpy, I think I want to marry you. Hey, it's Sammy. You married couple. How are you, married couple, eh? I'm just going to say that's Sammy. I'm just watching through the camera. It's Sammy. <laughs> oh, would you like to marry him, Sammy? Um, <laughs> hold on. Do I um do I get like half of do I get a share in the house or the ute or you something? You get kitty kitty, get? mate. Oh, kitty, yeah, I'll kitty, take that. Kitty. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll get kitty, kitty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll, cook? I'll have that one for the weekend, and uh, you can have it during the weekdays. Actually, I've seen you cook. You cook. You cook dwarf pizzas, don't you? Like little ones. Well, twelve-inch pizzas, homemade pizzas. Yeah, yeah. little ones. Well, the big. Where the big? Can you cook a big pizza, just, mate? You, you're just jealous. You weren't here that day, right? You saw the photos. You got jealous. Everyone had a great time. We crowded around the pizza oven. Um, have you have you used is an uni before? Have you used an uni before? Is he general what an uni is? No, what uni. the hell's that? So I got an uni oven. It's a um, they're like it's like a portable pizza oven, right? You load it up with wood chips, um, and oh, yeah. it gets up to five hundred degrees within about ten minutes. And you throw a pizza in there, it cooks within thirty seconds, um, and it's a great social thing. You just sort of put it out on the deck. Everyone's sitting around. You just sort of make a pizza, throw it in, pull it out. Everyone has a feed, and it's a great time. But uh, Kimby doesn't like it when he's not there, so he'll uh, he'll bag it um, and say, you know. <laughs> Find any sort of way to, to bring it down, but it's a great time. Oh, totally. I never said that. Oh, did I say that? I said you like cooking little pizzas. Well, the implication was there, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of people, I'll tell you and what, venues. Izzy, this is this is the extent of it. We're sitting here during the air break, 
This is Tony Kemp to an absolute T. We're sitting here in an air break. There's a replay of the Melbourne Storm Penrith Panthers on the screen, and Kempy spends the whole air break complaining about the bunker on a game that happened five days ago. TMO, mate. Oh, I'm telling you. How many? This is on the bunker, uh, and I've got to say this. I, don't, I reckon it's got a short shelf life. They're gone. They, actually, you'd be great in the bunker because you can talk. Mm. It'd be like two minutes. Let's look at that. You've for said two this minutes. many times, but then you also criticised my eyesight. So <laughs> that's why you've been in the bunker. Well, speaking of TMOs and bunkers, Steve Hansen touches on that in his interview after eight o'clock. We'll play that for you too. But speaking of venues and people, well, there's no SCNZ without you two carrying on there in Auckland. So I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. There'll be plenty of social clips coming through on the SCNZ Instagram page. But we're talking venues. A couple of messages. Messages coming through, lads. I'll read a couple before we shoot off and we'll get back to this as well because I've got a couple of names to rattle off. Boxing, Muhammad Ali, Madison Square Garden. That is yeah. from Tim. Yeah. Oh. yeah that's, a, that's a great one. That's a you great one. You- Another one here from... I was going to say, oh, yeah. can be you said MGM Mike Tyson? Yeah, yeah, MGM uh, Mike Tyson. I was over there for the De La Hoya um, Hopkins fight many, many moons ago and uh, Tyson walked in, mate. The place stopped. The the place absolutely was just like, well, oh. there, there he is. Um, so that's when I think of boxing. I think Mike Tyson, MGM. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good one. You got to go to that? That would have been outstanding. Just one more before we shoot off from Brendan Soccer. Winton Roofer, Netball, Sandra Edge. That is from Brendan and Pat Cash, 1987, Wimbledon. I was living in Australia for a few months. The place went crazy. The headband, the tanned Aussie bloke in London, hot seat. It was a time and place moment. That is from Kimberly. Keep them coming through. We'll shoot off. We've got some headlines coming up with Samuel Jackson. And then we've got plenty to get into as well. I've got a couple of names that I love to rattle off. But keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three, tip and bedpost text machine. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yeah, there's a lot holding me back at the moment. Uh, headlines now with uh, Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass, uh, boys. Um, an Iowa man by the name of Aaron Bartholomew of Colfax um, thinks he's got a world record on his hands. Um, he's got a collection of 70,000 pencils. Wow! Yeah, and uh, he's built—he's built, he's built what a that, record. He built that up over the years. Wooden advertising pencils. I don't know where he gets them from. Uh, substantially more than the current Guinness World Records of the largest pencil collection, which is twenty-four thousand, held by a man from Uruguay since twenty twenty. So uh, good on you, Aaron, and uh, hoping for all the best, mate. Um, yeah, I'm sure. If there was a world record that you want, Sammy. What would it be? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Only good questions on the breakfast show. I have to think about it. A lot of things come to mind. I have to think about it. What would I want a world record in? I don't want it to be something naff like that, pencil collection. Um, it might be lawn related. What about hanging in space or... Oh, that'd be good actually, yeah. World record for further, furthest distance, farthest distance in space. Because I do love space. Yeah, go around the moon and come <laughs> I'll, back. I'll bring you a rocket, you can jump on it. Now, um, speaking of world records and people that uh, love to break them, uh, Joey Chestnut, lads, it is July the 4th over in America. Oh. We probably should uh, have a few American songs sprinkled in today as well. Uh, 
July the 4th and Joey Chestnut who's uh, in the hot dog competition as you well know he's won 15 of the last 16 Joey C uh, he, the only one he lost was in 2015 that's a black mark against his record but you might remember last year uh, he was a protester ran on the stage and uh, basically, basically got him in a chokehold when he was mid dog um, which isn't the easiest thing to do uh, to try and keep that going um, and they've interviewed him before this year's competition saying you know you're nervous Joey for your, your 17th edition and he said mate the, the thing I'm most nervous about is another bloody protester running on the stage because now it's becoming quite mainstream this used to be a, a competition boys you know seven or eight years ago that it was, it was a bit naff a couple hundred people turned up and that was all it's global now right it's on ESPN Makes thousands of people it. exactly yep. and so uh, he's worried that with all the attention there's going to be more and more protesters running on the stage probably vegans yep. and um, going to get himself in another headlock we didn't even talk about we've that had on him Saturday on the show night. yeah we have did you yeah we've had him yeah. on yeah. oh fantastic yeah. well, maybe we'll get him back on again if he, uh, if he maybe gets me the yeah, yeah, about have, a year ago what about me and you should we have a hot dog eating contest Ah, uh, we I could do that. I reckon. Oh, I think that'd be I an easy one. I reckon we do that. I reckon we do that tomorrow. We're going to get some hot dogs and chuck some money in um, Kez's account. He's going to go out and get some hot dogs because I think this will be a great competition. Like, reality is, I think Kempi could chomp down at least 10 Oh, Kempi would kill me. There's no doubt about it. He'd kill me. And I'd probably, I'd, yeah, I couldn't do, I'd probably start choking or something. Are there, there's miniature sausages like your pizzas we can get? What are they called? <laughs> Last story uh, is about the Warriors, boys, and a little bit of positive news here because uh, if you did see the team named yesterday for round 19 against the Paramata Eels, uh, we've got a couple of fellas making some big milestones. Uh, Sean Johnson's going to be playing as is two. Is he playing? Well, he's been named, and I, yeah, I mean, if, if Caleb starts to you know get the contractions, he'll be back on a plane. I do, well, I don't. Well. No, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'd risk it. Would would you? I don't know. I don't know. But he's been named, so I'm just going to keep going with the story if I can. Two hundredth appearance for the Warriors. If he does run out on Saturday, uh, only the fifth player to appear in two hundred matches for the Warriors: uh, Mannering, Jones, Vatuve, and who else? Ah, uh, two hundred games. Logan Swan. No, got any ideas? Uh, is he? Jones, oh, Mannering, Vatuve, and hey. currently lives in Papamoa. Oh, um, Ben Matalino. Correct, Ben Matalino, two hundred twelve oh. games. Um, and then we've got uh, Dylan Walker. Who's to, uh, Dylan Walker's playing in his two hundredth NRL game. That's a big milestone for him. Uh, Adam Fanua Blake playing in his one hundred and fiftieth. So lots of milestones coming for the Warriors on Saturday against a pretty depleted Eels side, which is encouraging for Warriors fans, boys. And the can't wait question of the day, which I'm sort of rejigging a little bit uh, to. Uh, iconic venues and the first player you think of when you think of the venue. So for Wimbledon, it might be Roger Federer. For the Masters, it might be Tiger. I'm sorry if I've stolen your thunder there. Izzy, Mount Smart Kempe. Stacey Jones. Straight away? Without a doubt. And in that 2003 jersey, the black and the black and yeah, uh, grey? Well, I, I think that black jersey is the best jersey they've ever had mm. with a little bit of red under the V. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I'd go Mannering for Mount Smart. Izzy? Oh, Mount Smart. Yeah, Jones or Mannering. Probably go one of those two. Uh, I, when I think of golf, I go Augusta. I go Nicholas, six-time winner at, at Augusta. I thought you would have so gone Tiger. Be, yeah, oh, look, you could probably say Tiger, but when someone's won it six times yeah, that's and they're carrying the jacket six times, mate, you, you can't go past that. But football, I think of my favourite team, Old Trafford. I go Paul Scowls. Scowls. The ginger. Mmm, little Scalzi, the magician. Mate, I little think magician. Out. I think of Alex Ferguson every time I think of Old Trafford. I 
randomly, this is so left field because in my head, you know, I'd want to say Beckham or Ronaldo. Mm. Or it's it's um, Neville. Which one? I just think of uh, Gary, Gary Neville. Neville. I just think of Neville because when I think of... Kez isn't happy about it. Gives the worst it. player in the world. I know, but like it, the, this is what I'm saying. The weird thing about it is when you think of like a, a, a historic team and you think about a historic venue, I don't know, I just think of a player that isn't quite the superstar. I think of the grinder down the bottom that's been that played for years and years. And I don't know, uh, Anfield, You've got Kez. you stop thinking of grind, the grinders. Um, Kez, Anfield, surely there's a, a name that springs to oh, mind straight away. There's only one man. It's Stevie Gerrard. Yeah. He's just signed with Saudi Arabia is as well. He's going over there now next to oh, manager team. Not, not as actually. a player, but as a manager. Oh. So Roberto Firmino, my other Liverpool boy, he's just signed over there with um, Stevie G's boys over in Saudi Arabia. It, it, with the calibre of player over there, in five years, it could technically be a top five league. I'm not having it. I, look, I'm not I, having it at all. I read, just quickly, I read something about Saudi Arabia and uh, them they buying all the sports teams around the world, sort yeah. of shifting all their money into into sports, mm-hmm. and they reckon it ain't going to stop. No. Nah. You've read that too, Sam? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the football is um, – the football could be – what they're saying is it could be like the IPL in um, cricket where players – forego playing internationals and forego playing in the big cup competitions just go to Saudi Arabia make hundreds of millions of dollars for only playing half the amount of games and that's your career Mm, very interesting interesting. yeah we watch that it's life changing isn't it life changing too much bloody money going on in Saudi Arabia changing the landscape of sport lads quickly UFC first name that pops up oh Ronda Rousey nah Conor McGregor, mate. <laughs> nah, well, they're, they're, they're equal. You would say one. You would I like say Ronda Rousey. Are you sexist, Tony? Because, you know, when you think of UFC. <laughs> I like Ronda Rousey. That's a good shout. <laughs> yeah, because if it's, if it's male, it's Conor McGregor. If it's female, it's Ronda Rousey. I just went for the female direction, Tony. Yeah, I, could, I, I know, I know. I, I understand. Get yourself in trouble here, yeah, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you two have a, little, have a little simmer there and go through some things. But UFC, yeah, Conor McGregor has to spring to mind. Ronda Rousey changed the landscape for female sport and particularly UFC. Keep those messages coming through on double eight, double three. We're going to shoot off because we've got Quizzy Dad coming up. Your chance to win a cookie monster, a cookie time cookie pack. 0800 to take on me, the quiz master. You get stuck, Kempi's got your back. Back soon. Fuel like the All Blacks with Hellspan Elite Ultimate Whey Protein, 750 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Let me begin Get on your phones Dial me for a win I won't give you answers No matter what you ask me Try and play the quiz Things won't get nasty Get up, stand up Come and throw your hands up If you got the feeling Get the phone's lines ringing Came to get paid We came to get paid So get on your phones And dial now Call now 0800 Call now 150 Call now 811 Call now, call now And get paid All right, all right, all right. The Cookie Monster's waiting for you if you need a hand this morning. Kempi's got your back. Lammy, good morning. Oh, oh, morning, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Very chipper this morning, my friend. Let's get your oh, mouth full of you. cookie times. Yes, yes, what do you got? No, this, oh, I just wanted to ask uh, Kempi to leave uh, Sammy alone. 
Sydney a little bit, wasn't we, I'll tell Thanks, you what, Sammy, you, you just get that cookie time box, mate. There's plenty in there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'll try anyway. I'll try. Right. Here we go, Lemmy. The mediator. Here he is. Lemmy. Question number one. <laughs> Who are the reigning Rugby World Cup champions? Come on. Come on. Oh, fuck. Help me. Can I have a clue? Five. I just forgot. Yeah, you can have a clue. Uh, it's not New Zealand or oh. Australia. Oh, South Africa. South Africa oh, is God. correct. Question yeah. number two. Which male tennis player has won the most Wimbledon titles in history? Oh, I'll go beyond Borg. If you were, if you were listening, <laughs> if you were listening, you just weren't listening to Sammy, were you? Lemmy, open up those ears. Give him a little clean out there, Lemmy. Appreciate your call, brother. See you later. Timmy from Christchurch. How we doing, lads? Good, thank you, Timmy. Uh, I'm not sure about Which... that one, but I'll risk it for the biscuit. Is it Federer? Oh, Federer yeah, like is that. correct. Like me. Roger, risk it for the biscuit. You're on track there, my friend. R- question number three. Richie McCaw has the most caps in All Blacks history. Who sits in second? Uh, Sammy Whitelock. Sammy Whitelock, correct. Question number four. Which team is currently sitting at the top of the World T20 rankings? Um, oh, get a clue, Kempi? Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Um, <laughs> get it. Oh, get it. What that is. Come on, get uh, it. Um, India. There you go. Yeah, I don't know how. Please tell me who did it from Gimby's glue. Please tell me who did it from Gimby's glue. They get it, mate. They get it. They get it, Tony. They get it. Get You're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Question number five. Which Warriors player is bringing up the 200 NRL game milestone this weekend against the Eels? Sean Johnson. No, it's not Sean Johnson. Sorry. See you later, Timmy. Jade from Hamilton. Morning. Morning, boys. How are we? Good, thank you. Which Warriors player is bringing up this 200th NRL game milestone this weekend against the Eels? Yeah, he doesn't run. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's harsh. (laughs) <laughs> it's a cryptic clue. Okay, he doesn't run. run he's What's a... a... when you when you're not running, you are walking. Dylan Walker. <laughs> 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 there you go, Jade from Hamilton. Oh, Cookie Monster delivers with a oh, hell of a clue to, to end it. Dylan Walker, 200 NRL game this weekend. Appreciate your call there, Jada. Cookie time, cookie pack is coming your way. Stay tuned, because Love Racing with Tony Kemp coming up. You're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast on SENZ.
Yes, you can call us any time on 0800 150 811. Coming up after 7 o'clock, we've got Simon Campbell's talking Wimbledon as the uh, the great game of tennis gets uh, underway over there in the UK. You can find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. And Ken Kelso is looking forward to heading to Rotorua today where he's got a couple of really nice uh, horses running down there. He uh, he's got one called Little Genie. It will make its race day debut in the AT Cooks contracting two-year-old race. He's hoping she can showcase the talent she has displayed at home. She's nice, well-bred fully, uh, not overly big, but she's got a real uh, good temperament and a good doer. He says she's going to uh, to the right stage so far as a two-year-old. Uh, he trains in partnership, as you know, with his wife, Bed. Out of a half-sister to Group 1 winners, Pushini and her slick little genie was run up in a 900-metre trial in the heavy eight track in Taraba last month. And Kelso is hoping that the daughter of Savabeel can replicate that form on uh, Ottawa Park's heavy 10 rated surface. Surface, it will be pretty heavy down there. He's also got another one um, as well. It's, uh, hang on, I'm just having a look here. Heavy heavy track down there. And this horse called, in race number two, just finding it for you here. I'm just going to pull, it, pull up the odds. In race number two, we've got number 15, for, uh, sorry, it's number 13, Divine Essence is another one for uh, Mr. Kelsey. He's got Michael Manab on both it. So race three, number 12, which is Little Genie and his two, uh, his other horse, number 13, race two, um, Divine Essence. Those are the two that I'd be having a look at today. I also like in race number eight, John Wheeler's got one, number 10, Tsunami. Um, but I think the pick of the race is one for that man Stephen Marsh uh, called Atrium Coast in race number three if you're having a look but bet responsibly R18 that's your love racing update today uh, we'll uh, have some more for you with Paulie Mawadi coming up next and uh, later on in the show but here's Aroa for Kubota For year-round allergies and hay fever, try Demister Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. again which way does he go back inside it comes players are plenty a perfect pass Jamara is going to finish it off it's a glorious try from New Zealand but you're moving so carefully let's start living dangerously ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the royal box Roger Federer We have to make some decisions around where NPC sits or our national competition sits. You know, it's, it isn't any longer the premier team. There's still a place for it, but it's already taken a backward step. You know, it's not it's not the competition that it was. Once upon a time, you had 
it was the it was the super competition, wasn't it? That's all we had. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ just after seven o'clock. A big couple of hours coming up. Uh, can't wait. Question of the day: Athletes and venues. Couple coming through the temper bedpost text machine. Double eight, double three. Orange Theory. Richie Moonga from Tim in Christchurch. Another one here from Jamie. Forsyth Bar in Dunedin. Why sucky na ho? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that is a good one. Oh, Lord, that's a cracker, isn't it? Oh, Waikato Stadium. me. Waikato Stadium. Reese Duggan. Reese Duggan. I just think of Reese Duggan and the Waikato in the stripes when I think of Waikato oh. Stadium randomly and John O'Gibbs for the Chiefs. Beautiful, beautiful. Jamie from uh, from Dunedin. Appreciate that message. We should try and change that to Setamani Valu. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to make it our own. Didn't quite have the same uh, effect as Waisaki did there in, in Dunedin. And another one here from Ed Carlo Park. Frank Tinitelia. Otahu Leopards. And, and that's an iconic Ed. try. If you if you get a chance, go on YouTube and put in Frank Tinitelia. From the Otahu Leopards, he scores a try against my old club, Randwick, in the Tusk Cup, which was a club competition back in the days, and pushes um, Rodney Rasmussen off four times to score it. And that's how many blokes he goes through from just over halfway. So, uh, Frank Tinatelia, he's played one test Kiwi, I think he was. He made, made the Kiwi team from that game, uh, is he? Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And just a bit of clarity there, Kempi. For your clue, get it. India. For the Quizzy Dag. Get yeah. it. India. India. Get it, India. So, <laughs> come on, come on, boys. Even get, heard that. Get it, India. Get it, India. Okay, okay, Timmy from Christchurch. There you go. That's Uncle's cryptic clue. Get it, India. All right, that's enough of that. We're going to be talking some tennis right now, and we've got uh, well-respected freelance tennis journalist, broadcaster, and author Simon Cambers is going to join us to talk Wimbledon. Morning, Simon. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you, very well. Uh, ready to rip into some Wimbledon chat. Obviously, we played a little clip at the start of our show. Roger Federer in the Royal Box there at Wimbledon. Uh, a standing ovation for the great man. He's won it the most times uh, as a major champion. Many of his majors won at Wimbledon, mate. Uh, well respected, but uh, we're starting this out. I think it's early to talk about Coco Golf. She's probably the big news Missing, uh, wow, been bumbled out in early stages, mate. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, sort of late evening our time on day one. So that's, the time difference obviously kicks in to show you that Goff uh, has gone out your time. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a shock, but she lost to Sophia Kennan, who's a former Grand Slam champion. She won in Australia a couple of, uh, a few years ago. Um, has had a, a lot of uh, difficult problems with injuries and with, she sacked her father as coach and then brought him back and all that sort of stuff. So, She's a quality player, but we, I think the thing is a lot of people expected Coco Goff to go quite deep this year. Um, and she's got some problems with her game. And, she, you know, she didn't quite produce her best. And these things can happen on grass. First couple of rounds are really tricky, and she, she came a cropper. Oh, Iga Swastik could be, be happy about that um, with Goff being bundled out early. Uh, Simon, what what is it like on the on the woman's side of the draw? Do you see, do you see anyone actually um, challenging the champ? 
Oh, it's pretty. It's pretty open. This is the thing. Uh, Rebecca has got some. Has, didn't have the best build-up. She, you know, she had a virus and she was. She's got some strapping on her shoulder. Then you got Sabalenka, who uh, has to field a lot of questions about the war every time she plays. So that's tricky for her. She, she has to concentrate on her tennis. And then you've got Igor Swiatek, the world number one, who's looking pretty good. And Swiatek's probably the favourite on paper. She won the French Open, of course, a few weeks ago. This is grass. It's different. She's never been to the quarterfinals. There are a lot of other players in the draw that could make a big, big run, including Petra Kvitova, the Czech, who won here twice, 2011-2014, won a warm-up tournament here uh, a couple of weeks ago and is looking very strong. So it's, it's pretty open. What about Ons Jabur? She got past her uh, latest rival in Fritsch from uh, one of the countries over there. Ons Jabur, she's looking quality. She looked good today, yeah. I mean, she's had a rough time of it the last few months. She had a knee operation in February. She, of course, got to the final here last year. She won the first set, looked like she was going to win. Um, and then Rebecca won it in three. And she was funny on court. She said that um, the first person's face she saw when she arrived here was Rebecca, the winner from last year. And she was like, well, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> but she looked good today. You know, she's, she pulled out her whole box of tricks. She's got lovely touch, lovely feel for the ball. She really enjoys playing on grass and, yeah, good winner today, and, and if she gets on a roll, then she might be tough to stop again. Well, speaking of roles, mate, we've had a bit of a disrupted time over there at Wimbledon. Obviously, play has been suspended. What's the weather looking like across the next few days? Well, it's horrendous right now, I can tell you that. It's been raining <laughs> non-stop for about... It's proper New Zealand weather. It's been raining for about four or five, year, four or five <laughs> years. It feels like years. Four or five hours. Um the weather forecast is not too bad. The rest of, the rest of this week looks pretty decent. Um, there might be one or two interruptions, but I think we'll get back on track pretty quickly. But certainly it's an advantage for those people who played under the roof today, uh, like Andy Murray, for example, who gets got through pretty quickly, um, whereas the ones who have to wait will play two days in a row. So that is tough. That's right, Simon. And Andy Murray's obviously through. Alcaraz is through. And Cam Norrie's just picked up a win as well. Uh, those three, you, you think, can go all the way? Are you claiming Cam Norrie? Is well, he is, is a key, he is yeah, a Kiwi. Yeah, we are. He is a Kiwi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah, we got to the semi semis last year. He's, uh, he's they're both in the same section. Andy Murray, Cam Norrie, uh, pretty tricky one with Seb Corder. He's a very good American player, son of Peter Corder, who won the Australian Open um, 1998, I think. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, Murray, I think, if he gets on a if he gets on a roll, if he gets through to he he should get through to the second week, and then. You know, then you start thinking, well, the crowd behind it, maybe something special could happen. But Cam Norrie is such a sort of obdurate, durable competitor. He will be tough if Murray has to play him or Corder. So I think Murray will need the crowd. But he certainly looked good today and he enjoyed playing in front of Federer. A couple of nice quips about uh, tennis royalty and all that sort of stuff. So he, he looked comfortable and he sounds, he sounds like he's enjoying himself and pleased with where his body's at. Because, you know, if anyone's had a rough time over the last few years, it's him. Hey, Simon, just to go back to that question about claiming Cam Norrie. Well, you know he's a Kiwi. Do you, do you claim Baz McCullum and Ben Stokes just taking left here? Yeah. What do you mean do we claim them? <laughs> well, you know, they're Kiwis as well. They're, uh, they're true, true Brits, aren't they? <laughs> Baz is starting to get a bit of a British accent, let's be honest, lads. Uh, that's starting to creep in as well. It's dangerous territory. Hey, um, hey Simon... Oh, 
Yeah, you're in trouble if England don't win a test match. <laughs> hey, hey, Simon, uh, <laughs> you, you, we mentioned uh, you mentioned Igor Schwartz who struggled to get out of um, of sort of that that uh, third, fourth round to a quarter final. Uh, on the men's side, uh, Carlos Alcaraz also hasn't really gone too well at Wimbledon. What what is it about? Just for I guess um, people that aren't quite tennis nuts, what is it about Wimbledon and the grass surface that makes it so tough for some of those top seeds to not you know do as well as they have in some of the other majors? Well, the biggest problem is that they just don't play on grass that much in the year. You know, grass court season is the shortest season of all. It's about four or five weeks in total. If you're lucky, you play two or three tournaments on it, which might be one match each week, week before you come to Wimbledon. You know, you're just underprepared. And playing on grass, the ball bounces lower. It, it puts different demands on your, on your body. Your Achilles hurt. You're bending more. You have to really move your feet lightly. And, you know, think of how Federer used to use move like a sort of ballet dancer across the baseline. That's how you've got to move on a grass court, really light steps. And if you're someone who grew up on clay, like Alcaraz, for example, it's difficult to sort of learn that. But he's a fast learner, let's face it. He, he's a top, top quality guy. He's going to be had no problem. He's only played here a couple of times. So I think he'll be okay. But for someone like Shiontek, it is a bit difficult because they just don't feel like their feet are set. And that, that can be the hardest issue. You're always off balance and you're not playing your best. Andy Murray, I just want to take back to Andy Murray. Like he's had his long fair share of injuries. His body's been uh, his biggest problem at the moment. But uh, can you see him going deep potentially if his body's able to to get back to the winner's circle? He's two-time champion at Wimbledon. Can he repeat? Well, he, he can certainly go quite deep. I mean, he, you know, very few. We talk about how very few players really love playing on grass. He is one of them. He's won here twice, but of course, he's playing with a metal hip. And, you know, that's so restrictive, but he's done incredibly well to get to where he is. I can definitely see him getting to a second week. He's, he's prepared as well as he has in the last four or five years. His body's in as good a shape or a better shape than any of those years uh, and gone by. So I think, you know, even though he's 36, he's got a good chance of being second week. And then, then the sort of momentum starts, then the crowd gets involved, then you get Murray Mania, crowd, the, the crowd and the country go a bit crazy. And you just never know. Maybe if, if Djokovic loses early, and anything can happen. Well, I want to talk about uh, us Kiwis. We've got Michael Venus pairing up with Jamie Murray, who is brother of Andy yeah. Murray. What can we expect from that partnership? Well, I mean, it was a, a new pairing at the start of this year, mm. and uh, they've done very, very well. They've uh, really clicked together. I mean, Jamie, Jamie's a very sharp doubles player, even now at the age of 37. Michael Venus, very, very experienced. They're good on all surfaces. They'll get plenty of support. Michael Venus will be adopted as a, an honorary Brit for the couple of weeks, and I, you know, they've got a good chance. <laughs> Hey Simon, we've got we've got a few people here that like listening to the experts tipping out uh, who they think on either side of the draw at Wimbledon um, they think yep. can win it. Who do you who do you think are the are the couple to watch in both the women's and the men's going deep into the into the rounds? I think outside of the outside of the really top names who you know the favourites, and you're not going to make much money if you're having a bet on. I would say Petra Kvitova on the women's side because she's the two-time champion in great form, feeling very relaxed. She's going to get married next month. She's, you know, she's in absolutely in the right place to do, to have a good run. And on the men's side, I think Seb Korda, who I mentioned earlier, American son of Peter Korda, very good player, loves grass. Talked about the fact he thought he could win Wimbledon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think he is one player who's going to come through that section where Norrie and Murray are and probably go furthest of all. So you could see him in the semi-finals, and, and then you never know. 
just before we let you go, um, Simon, of course, uh, all eyes really on Novak Djokovic, who uh, has already got two majors under his belt this year. It seems like without Nadal and Federer, he, he does have a bit of a monopoly on it. Do you, do you think Grand Slam this year is potentially on the cards for Novak? Yeah, it's it's very possible. I mean, he, look at his record here. He's won seven times. We talked about the celebration for Federer today. He's won eight. You know, Djokovic wins this year. He equals Federer, which seems insane given mm. Federer's status at this place. Um, Djokovic looks every inch the the man to beat. He seems very relaxed. He had a rain delay yesterday. Didn't bother him. I think you know it's going to take something massive to to knock him off his perch. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And then, of course, you know, if he gets to the US Open, he'll have a lot of pressure and stress. But who's to say he can't do it, even at the age of 36? Yeah, no, he's an incredible, incredible player. And like you said, it, it sometimes surprises people when you when you realise he's actually now won more majors than, than both Federer and Nadal. They're, they're the glory uh, sort oh, of yeah. trials of tennis over the years. But uh, but Novak has, has quickly overtaken them and still has years left in him. Um, Simon, really appreciate you you're coming on. Uh, stay out of the rain. And uh, if you're not enjoying Wimbledon, let's hope you're enjoying a, a win in Game 3 of the Ashes starting on Thursday. Thanks, Heath, for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys. There you go. Simon Cameron's out of the UK. Very well-respected journalist and, and author and writer. A couple of tips there for you, Kempi. I'll tell you what. One of them is that mm. you're thinking about with a couple of new knees that uh, Annie Murray running around with an, a metal hip, and I know we've spoken about this before, is it's, it's freakish. It's freakish that he's doing that at that level with a metal hip. You know what I mean? I, I don't know whether or not he has any pain or whatsoever, but there must be a couple of mobil- mobility he looks like issues. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 36, getting through the first round. I wonder how deep he can go. That's the thing. He he can win a couple of rounds for sure, but whether or not he can go all the way. It's such a demand. It's two weeks, and it's so demanding the amount of tennis they have to play so quickly. And as Simon pointed out, you know, it it can be very hard on the joints playing on those grass-clay surfaces. I just think Novak... The confidence he's got in 2023, I watched, you know, saw him at the Australian Open, watched him at the French Open. He's unstoppable, almost unstoppable. Um, and I think you know Grand Slam is is well within his grasp, and he's still got a couple of years left. That's a, that's the scary thing. I know, mate. And he's already got the title for that, and he's probably going to get the the eight eight peat, yep. obviously uh, this weekend or, or next couple of weeks. But mate, just just hearing the the conditions, you know, that he was yeah. talking about Simon there about the whole, the way the the, the track plays, you got to be light on your feet. I think that would suit Carlos Alcaraz, yeah, with his bloke. mobility and and the way he gets around the court and. And things like that, but it plays a whole lot different, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a great question that he asks um, Sammy about that because all these different conditions, you know, it's raining over there. Is that going to impact the core? Obviously, the roof can come on. Will it get a bit wet? Will it get a bit dewy? Will they be have an opportunity to be able to mow the lawn and and cut it to a short length? You know, the ball yep. will be reacting a lot differently. So. Plenty of things that will be playing part in this in this tournament. Yeah, it's, and it's and, interesting. and even we were talking obviously about the the grass and that, and for all the fun we were having with that, it definitely will play a role. Having a lot of rain there, a lot of moisture, like you said, it means they can't mow it as much. They probably it gets too much water at times, which makes it a bit softer. The ball doesn't bounce as much. So, uh, lots to contend with for for all the players. Uh, let's just hope they do get the tennis in because once that schedule starts to cram up, you start seeing late nights, um, players playing on different courts, and and that just sort of ruins the spectacle a little bit. So, um, yeah. It is the iconic event, though, isn't it? The tennis event. It's the one we spoke about it um, before, the one one tennis event that you always remember. For me, it was Bjorn Borg and Makara at Wimbledon. Mm. You know? um, if you asked any tennis player which major they'd want to win, they'd say Wimbledon, hands down. It'd be yeah. like asking a golfer which major, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's mm. easy money. It's, it's Wimbledon all the way. 
Something about the green, lads. The green jacket, the green pasture. Yeah. That green is just so soothing on the eye, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, such a good watch. Forgets it's done. Novak, US Open. That's the last major left, isn't it? Yeah, and US Open is, is the next one, which is in, in August, September, maybe. I think a bit later on, Flushing Meadows. Um, and then the conversation's going to be, like, I've, I've always been a Federer fan, boys. That's my, that's my tennis goat. Um, it will, always will be because I always think of my goat's a little bit outside of uh, the the stats, so yep, he, he might not have won the most, but um, I think for everything else, he has to go. But Novak's one of those guys where not a lot, you know, he's polarizing. Not everyone loves him, but at the moment, he's he statistically is better than Nadal and Federer. I mean, he's won the most majors. He he has won the most on all the surfaces, right? Um, Federer only won once on clay. Nadal's only won, I think, twice at Wimbledon. Um, but but Djokovic does it everywhere. And so you just have to say pound and for pound, gonna, and he's going to do, and he's going to do, and win more. Correct. Um, around there, like as he said, it's uh, end of August, early mm. September, is the US Open. So uh, you're dead right. As if he goes on and wins this, I'm mate. Then it, then it is the question is like, who's going to stop him? Oh, who's going to stop him? Carlos Alcaraz potentially, Andy Murray finally. Cam Norrie, the great Kiwi, is he going to stop the Joker? We'll have to wait and see. That was Simon Camber's talk in Wimbledon. It is taking place right now. Hopefully the rain can stay away. We're going to shoot off and come back with Off the Back Fence. Tony Kemp, you're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Thanks to Kemper's Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. As a country that punches well above its weight on the global stage, why is it that our national sporting bodies, who are intrinsically tied to our athletes, so underwhelming when it comes to operational excellence? Have a look at the current appointment process of Football New Zealand's new head coach, Darren Baisley. First, we were told he was the interim head coach. That was, of course, after we were told John Herdman from Canada would be the coach because he had agreed to coach the team, apparently. Then somewhat surprisingly for Herdman himself, he came out to say he wasn't leaving his current post. And now after being told Beasley would only be interim coach, we quickly find ourselves with a head coach. Mate, how confusing. What an absolute cluster. But are we really surprised? League does it all the time. We only have to look back at the David Kidwell experience lest we forget the key is in the we. And what about the NZRL co- uh, NZR coaching fiasco last year? Fozzie here or Fozzie gone? We all know what an embarrassing fiasco that was. And don't get me started on Cycling New Zealand. But after all the repeated reviews and recommendations, it seems to me that nothing really has changed. It seems to be okay to throw the review in a draw and a few minutes of after a few minutes of navel gazing. These NZOs, these national sporting officers, then appear to simply carry on as usual after their moment of imposed self-reflection. Where's the audit in this process? The audit cycle isn't complicated. You audit, which is a review, you find the deficiencies, you change them, and here's the most important step, audit again to ensure change has happened. Is that really happening? By the way, this is by no means a crack at any of the coaches. But seriously, when are we going to get people in national sporting bodies that actually know what they are doing? If we look at their track record, not anytime soon. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. 
Oh, Kempe on the money, man. It's been a shambolic time, hasn't it? In terms of reappointments for coaches, obviously New Zealand rugby's been at the forefront of that uh, shambles going on there and finally got to the end of that result. Football, Darren Baisley has been announced as head coach. Sammy, is that the right decision? How does he feel in this situation? Obviously, John Herdman was leading the way and then Family Reasons pulls out late. There was Des Buckingham that was in the running, former Wellington Phoenix manager, Ufuk Talei, uh, potentially... Uh, was in the running too, and then Darren Baisley. Where does he sit in? How does he feel with the situation? Obviously, he's, he's happy now. He's been given the role, but what went on, you'd probably feel a little bit deflated. Like, how much did they really want Darren Baisley? Is he just, um, you know, the best of the rest, or is he kind of, you know what I mean? Is yeah. he just the one that was there at the end? Well, the, <laughs> trying to yeah, say he's a, been just handed good, the job. That's a good way to put it, is he? Um, <laughs> Like, can be spot on the money, and, and I have this conversation with mates all the time. What is it with New Zealand sporting bodies? Like, we just must have the worst administration in the world when it comes... Like, you look across the board, very few of our national bodies are actually run well. I don't know if you could pick out any sport and say it's done particularly well. The whole New Zealand football thing's been an absolute joke. If, if anyone sort of can piece together the timeline, you go back to March when they came out saying that they had um, a preferred candidate that was a, a standout. Mm. They said a standout contender and it was all but a done deal they were just and the, that's what i mean the person How does Darren feel the, the person was dealing with personal issues now this is why john herdman what came up as the as the rumor because everyone did the did the math and found out that john herman's i think it was his father was dealing with a health issue it all made sense and then herman comes out and says yep i was offered the job right but i turned it down mm. then new zealand football addressed that speculation said no 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 it, we, we're still talking to our preferred candidate and everyone was thinking well hold on if it's not herdman who, who the heck is your preferred candidate now either they were telling porkies which is you know the truth <laughs> let's be honest or or their quote unquote preferred candidate they they've they've talked to him for six months it took them six months for their preferred candidate to get the job so like you said is he if you if you're if you're um darren beasley who who was a good a very good option for the all white job 100 percent has been in the system has coached them at junior levels as well done very well but you're right he's he's I feel sorry for him that he is seen as the 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 next best option when you had Talley, when you had John Herman, all these guys on the on on the table. He must feel like, yep, I just I, I picked the last straw out of the hat. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's an absolute shambles from New Zealand football, and they try. It just it really annoys me when organisations try and hide from the truth. Like mm. any any logical person can piece this together and work out that they've told us all porkies over the last six months. You well, know what I mean? They're not they're not fooling anyone. Quick, just quickly before we go to the news, what I would like to see is some some audits. You know, because I know for cycling, for instance, the merry-go-round where a couple of people have ended up on that uh, that organisation have been through a number of organisations, and if you knew their track record, they'd never be there. That, that's the thing; they just so keep recycling just no, these there's people. There's no audit. Yeah, and the the people like you said, the mm. people that get the sack from one organisation just end up at the other one. That's exactly right. It, yeah. needs to, it needs to be sorted out. We're way better than that. And I feel sorry for the athletes because at the end of the day, the athletes are performing on the world stages. We've had a real good week um, and showing you that. But unfortunately, we just can't deliver at the operational level. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Darren Basie will be upbeat from the outset, obviously being uh, named as head coach. But deep down, we know how this would probably affect him and his confidence, uh, knowing that he was just... Uh, 
the last man standing and probably got given the opportunity. There wasn't anyone else that was a preferred candidate. The candidate, John Herdman, pulled out of the running. But we'd love to hear from you. 0800-150-811 or double eight double three in reaction to Kempe's off-the-back fence. Been a shambolic time in terms of uh, coaching, reappointments, selections. It's been a shambles, not only in football, rugby, all industries in New Zealand sport at the moment. How does it change? We'd love to hear from you. We'll shoot off, we'll come back with some headlines and get plenty more reaction from Kempe's off the back fence. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Welcome back in to Izzy and Kimby for breakfast here on ECNZ, 25 minutes away from 8 o'clock time for some headlines. Thanks to Kennard's Hire Too Easy weekend. Uh, and this one comes straight out of the Tony Kemp playbook, uh, Izzy. Um, Premier, good. Premier League star John Joe Shelby, um, who is currently with Nottingham Forest, um, he's going viral at the moment alongside this particular individual. It's a, a woman who claims that uh, after a night out, he uh, took her back to his um, his room or his hotel, wherever he was staying, and uh, put on his uh, career highlights on YouTube for her to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, maybe a little bit of foreplay. I don't know, but that sounds like the sort of thing you do. That is a Tony Kemp special. <laughs> Hey. Uh, Did YouTube go that far back, Kempi? Oh, mate, field goals galore. So, um, <laughs> the goal. Do you know? You don't know the favorite. The, my uh, the favorite part of this. I'm story. not gonna lie. I do that to my kids. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with it if you are, if you are on there. Why not? Uh, why not put, flaunt it? Put Daisy back on. Um, the best part of the story for me, lads, was that actually um, John Joe Shelby was out with a couple of teammates. Now you know who plays for Nottingham Forest, don't you? Chris Wood? Correct. He was out with Chris Wood. Wonder if, uh, I wonder if Woodsy gave him the idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sophie, the is name... There that, is there that many highlights? Uh, Sophie, <laughs> the name uh, is the name of the woman who uh, has uh, posted the uh, screenshots uh, of, of her, um, or f- posted the videos and the, and the photos <laughs> and the screenshots of her phone because people were obviously calling her out saying it's fake. There's no way he'd do that. Once she posted the photos, it's become pretty clear. It's exactly what John Joe Shelby did. He took her home after a night out on the town, put his YouTube highlights up, and uh, said, sit back, love, oh. and... Uh, Take, you know, take it in. That is gold. That is gold. Surely there's some people out there listening that have gone to many depths to try and win this girl over, win this person over. Let us know on double A, double three. That is the ultimate. If you got it, if there's a clip, why not play it? Do you not know who I am? Yeah. And just like, as well, boys, like, you know, you get home from night, like, he's probably freshening up. So just, you know, sit down on the couch, put your feet up, relax, enjoy a couple of my highlights while I just go, uh, you know, brush my teeth and uh, have a shower. Rest, think, rest oh. the soul, mate. I got a little story for you about that one. There's a guy who came up to Newcastle. His name was Dave Woods. And he played for Canberra. He was, uh, he, mate, he had, he had a chest on him, you know. He's built front row. Davey Woods had come to town. We didn't know. We didn't know that the, the, the club had signed Davey Woods, but he called his own media conference at the local gym. Oh, dear. <laughs> in his Speedos. In his Speedos in front of the mirror, doing uh, doing uh, um, 
chest exercises in the, in the mirror on the telly, NBN. They're called the station up at Newcastle. And Dave Woods comes on news this night. We didn't know that he was coming. And he's given his own interview. Like, I'm looking forward to coming up here to Newcastle. And, yeah. and, and the camera's in the mirror as he's talking, mate. And I'm just thinking, mate, this guy is an absolute class act. That's fantastic. And honestly, true story. This is a this is another story because he was a champion bloke, absolute <laughs> champion bloke. He goes, mate. One time I was down in Canberra, he put me speedos on and briefcase, went to the bank. He went to the bank in his speedos, in his speedos. Wow. And no, but just the, showing oh, off. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. But in Canberra, well, where's the beach? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe he was going to the pools afterwards. Hey, um, boys, another one is uh, another one as well, which will get you talking. Uh, blues coach uh, Vern Cotter, incoming Blues coach Vern Cotter, who set some pretty immediate demands, shooting from the hip to outline his ambition uh, to deliver immediate success uh, to the Blues. Uh, he has said two years. We will win a title within two years. That wow. is his goal. And I would say, uh, is he more so than, like if you were taking over the Highlanders right now, you know that you've got a little bit of leeway and a little bit of space to build a team and, and try and get a title down further down the line. The Blues are one of those teams that should be in that position already. So I would say Vern Cotter, yeah. he's got a short time frame to, to try and get that success. He's got a lot of success with uh, experienced teams that he's coached over the last wee while. Crusaders, obviously under Deans, won a couple of titles. He went over to Clermont and won a title in 2014. Uh, he's coached Scotland. They just missed out against Australia in the quarterfinal in 2015. Obviously that dubious last penalty that uh, Australia kicked. Uh, he's coached Fiji. Uh, look, he's saying the right things. They've got a lot of X-Factor at the back. They don't need X-Factor up front. They need to get their Ford pack firing, a lot of mongrel instilled into this pack. And uh, if anyone can do it, I think Vern Cotter can do it. Look, he's he's got the foundations. Leon McDonald set up the foundations here. He's got to instill his own mark, stamp his own mark on the squad. But in the Fords, that's where it's won. You know, in the semi-final, they just got blown off the park. They got X Factor in positions, but do they have unity and, and connection within the, the Ford pack? Probably not. Mm. So I think if he's going to make a difference, it's going to be there in the Fords. It'll be interesting to see if he's going to you know, recruit a lot of new players or just get in there and just change the whole dynamic, the whole setup. Well, he was on with um, with the run home, made some really interesting comments about what it's like in France where uh, he said every club has a different identity in France and the way that they play yeah. uh, in the style, etc. Whereas in New Zealand, uh, teams generally all play the same way and we all try and play the same yeah. style. And that is a big minus. So he's going to try and, and make the Blues a little bit something different. And he talked about the Fords as well, saying that, yeah, in France, they're just tough. They're just really tough they 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 don't mind getting into the into the hard work um and they don't mind sort of putting their head down and, and, and that's probably to an extent is he what the crusaders have done isn't it over the last seven years they've they've prided themselves on the set piece which is the four identity yeah yeah like the big name players they lost a ton of them but it doesn't matter who's coming into the squad if you've got the same mindset and and you know your identity in the game you want to play just absolute mongrels at set piece at the breakdown then doesn't matter who's putting on the jersey. So I think if, if Auckland can find a way to get to that situation, they can compete. They can definitely compete over these next couple of years and, and potentially push for a title. Vern Cotter and Jason O'Halloran coming in, leading the attack. They've got a good relationship. Um, be interesting times there in Auckland. I know many of you Aucklanders that haven't heard from you for a while, Ken, on double eight, double three. Does Vern Cotter's appointment excite you? Is he saying the right things? Obviously, words 
our only words. We need some actions from the Blues, but we'd love to hear from you. We've got a next uh, part of the show. We're going to open up the phone lines. If you want to talk Vern Cotter, you want to talk Nations Cup, because we've got that coming up as well with Steve Hansen. He has his say on the Nations Cup. And where does Super Rugby sit? MPC, is it dying? Does it still have a place in New Zealand rugby, well, Steve Hansen came on and he had his say, so stay tuned for that after 8 o'clock. But 0800-150-811-8833 on the Temper Bed Post text machine. We'll be back shortly. For year-round allergies and hay fever, try Demister Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back. We're 12 away from 8 after 8. Steve Hansen coming to you live here on SCNZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. We're talking Vern Cotter, 0800 150 811. couple of messages coming through from Chris on the Vern Cotter appointment. How do you, the current players, feel about their new coach? Well, I don't know if they've all met yet. Telling all the sun-dry that we need more mongrel in our forwards. Whether that's correct or not, I feel that's an almost an armchair coach remark from Chris. I actually love it. Creates a bit of edge. I think that's where they've got to get to if the Blues are going to be successful. That's mongrel, that's aggressive nature pointed in the right direction. And Steve from Auckland has given us a call on the Vern Cotter appointment. Steve, good morning. Oh, good morning, lads. I've got two points. One on the Vern Cotter appointment and one on New Zealand rugby, but I'll make the Vern Cotter one really quick. I'm, I'm actually quite excited, especially in and around the messages that he's basically sending out saying we don't have to basically clone ourselves to play a game that that is pretty much how the other four franchises play. So I think if you could accuse the Blues of of, of something, sometimes I think they probably try to play too much rugby when, the, when their strength is actually their pack. And I think they should be a bit more tighter. And there's a couple of little hints going on in the background um, in terms of signings. There's a kid by the name of Edward Annadale who's um, who's basically got Samoan connections. He's, a, he's actually a Kiwi boy with Samoan connections. Big lock. He's well over mm. well over 2.02 metres. And uh, I see he's been selected in the uh, in one of the Auckland um, sort of squads for the NPC. So that might be a little bit of a pointer that he is looking at maybe some other players in certain areas. I've also heard rumours that he's looking at a prop from out of France as as well, or maybe even a, a, a prop that's in the current all-black team that's not two of the props that he's got at the moment. So I think he's already making a few moves in the background. That's my first point. Second point, just in and around New Zealand rugby, the McKinsey report came out in 2020, and I remember one of those... One of those tick box things was in and around fan engagement. I'd love you guys to get Mark Robinson on and just basically go through that original McKinsey list and say, what have you guys actually addressed? Because, you know, to my way of thinking, in a fan engagement is a big one, and I don't think they've ever, ever addressed that, that point. And yet that report cost them blooming, what, a couple of million dollars. Mm. Steve, so Steve, just great. just on that fan engagement for for a fan like yourself, what would you love to see from an engagement point of view? Like, if you've give us some some ideas and something like, we'd love to get Mark Robinson on, and I think that'd be great to to get a bit more of an understanding. But what would you like to see? Well, 
Well, then that report, it came out that fans were sick of seeing players actually being pulled out of Super Rugby for the sake of the All Blacks. Yeah, listen, yeah, it's a, it's a long season. But, you know, you can always cut them out of... You can play them for 60 minutes as, a, as opposed to 80 minutes. It's, it's just little things around that. Also, you know, listen, one of your hosts actually tried to get a show up and running with, with Sky, which was quite a... Uh, would have been quite controversial. And I know that Sky pretty much blocked it because they didn't want any negative press in and around New Zealand rugby. Look, one thing I love about the NRL is, is, is shows like, you know, 360 where you get a bunch of journalists and they don't mind coming off the fence. And listen, whether it's negative engagement or good engagement, mm. it's a good thing for the game. It gets people talking. Even, mm. you know, even, even if you think in and around, um, you know, a lot of speculation about players going here, here, there and everywhere. I love that sort of stuff. You know, it's stuff that it's sort of speculation that comes out of American sports, even in the NRL, about players going going to different clubs. But, you know, that sort of corridor just gets absolutely shut down. So there's no interest. Mm. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. No, I'm hearing you there, Steve, from Auckland. We appreciate your call, mate. Vern Cotter, obviously, appointment excites you. And New Zealand rugby got a lot to think about in terms of fan engagement. Obviously, player accountability, player welfare is at the forefront of their minds. Obviously, uh, rest periods, it doesn't help when you look over the ditch and they've got competitive games week in, week out. Maybe a, a different dynamic. I've worked for Sky, and, and it is one of the big talking points, whether they can get some shows up and going where they ask the hard questions. Mate, appreciate your call, 0800 Be like Steve and give us a call. We're going to shoot off. And we'll be back soon to rip up, wrap up with a couple of these messages. Back, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, coming up to 8 o'clock. Hey, lads, the problem with sporting bodies is they think they're more important than what they are because of how the athletes perform. NZR are a perfect example of this. Mark Robinson and the board think they're a bit special because the All Blacks' reputation, because they lie to us so much, we never find out how truly inept they are. That is from Anthony. And this is a question for you uh, as fans. We're talking fan engagement. Steve rang through on 0800-150-811. Where would you like the engagement to be? Obviously, a big talking point at the moment is players playing week in, week out. Player welfare, are we are we getting the competition where you get to go and watch the best players week in, week out? That's a big part of it. What else for fan engagement? What would you like to see from NZR, super rugby teams, squads, franchises in terms of engagement? Entertainment. I think that's the big question. We'd love to hear from you on double eight double three, And we've also got Steve Hansen coming up talking the Nations Cup in a wee while's time. And uh, he touches on Super Rugby. Where does the competition need to get to? The inclusion of potentially other nations. Japan, is that the, is that the fix for Super Rugby? To have a competitive competition. We know how competitive they are across the ditch, lads. NRL, week in, week out. The best players... No matter what, state of origin on midweek, doesn't matter. They roll out two days later to represent their cl- clubs. Is that the right way about it? Player welfare. It's a big talking point at the moment. Keep those messages coming through on double eight, double three. We've got a big hour here. We've also got Ben May coming up at the end of the show. Our connection to the land. Ben May is farming down here in Ōtautahi, Christchurch. It is a brisk, freezing morning, so we'll see how he's getting on getting out there mustering the cows and Chris I'll get to your mustering the cows uh, text message in a wee while's time here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together we're shaping and building New Zealand 
support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse, now 20% off the entire range. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Just hate them, you know. Um, you know, you go to school and you're going, you know, you want to have a punch on with the boys that are going for Queensland, so um, yeah, you just, yeah, I, I hate Queensland still do. With 62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! Good morning, as you can get me for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 8 o'clock. Joey Chestnut, well, I think we're going to beat that tomorrow morning. We got Sammy no the Chewbacca and Tony the Kempinator. Come <laughs> <laughs> have a hot dog. Chewy. Any competition. Oh, oh. One thing about Chewy that you look like, that's your beard oh. and your chest hair. I've got nothing on my beard at the moment, though. Yeah, hairy little critter, are um, you? Yeah, I am actually quite hairy. <laughs> but, mate, the only way we'd be beating 62 hot dogs is if we got everyone in the office to eat one. There's just no chance we're getting close to that whatsoever. I told you I'm good for two. Maybe three at a push. Oh, I'm going to yeah, smash it got in, two. I? Normally we've do. got two. Tomorrow morning, two hot dogs each. And it's the fastest. And you're going to have a race. Okay. And it's the fastest. Get it on. And then whoever loses, I hope you win, Sammy. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> is that all it's going to go coffee? lunch, but Kempi, Kempi, Kempi will want to go to Prego. I'm going to break Owen. your bank. i got about 500 <laughs> lunches, Owen. Nah, so you, you can put a lunch on and just eat it. I've got a better punishment, right? So the loser tomorrow will have to, on Friday... The uh, the other two players, so one, obviously one of them will be you, Izzy, and let's just say I win, so it's me. Me and you will pick a word that Kempi has to drop into an interview on Friday. Okay. okay. And we'll think of something okay. really difficult. <laughs> Can it be YouTube spelt with a U? It won't have to be too difficult. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, love it, love oh, it. And it's tomorrow it. morning, hot dog competition with our team in the studio. Oh, I've just put it on them, so uh, Kez is all over it. Absolutely love it. Double eight, double three, a couple of messages coming through in regards to some potential for Sky TV. That is from Tyson and Paddy has had his say as well. But before then, we've got to shoot off because we spoke to Steve Hansen, Sir Steve Hansen, the other day, and this is what he had to say. We're lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Sir Steve Hansen, one of my former coaches, a man with uh, many words and one of the best one-liners going. But we won't get into that. We want to talk global expansion for the game of rugby. Exciting news that Six Nations and Sansa have come together for the global competition in 2026. Steve, obviously you've been an advocate for this for many years. Are you excited? You're happy? We finally got there. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Like 
something different, isn't it? And people, mm. fans particularly, want something different out of rugby at the moment, and it's just been chugging along. So um, there's some real positives. There's probably one or two little queries I've got. Um, you know, the the rich are going to get richer, and what's going to happen to the mm. second tier group? Um, I think they need to really make sure that. Um, there's opportunities for those teams to continue to get better because we don't want them turning up at World Cups and having two distinct mm. groups. We we want World Cups to be competitive like they have been. But and the other thing I'd like to see is can we, you know, can we play the July window, um, maybe after the Six Nations? So play play the Rugby Championship out our side of it uh, instead of playing Super Rugby at that time. Play play at the same time as as maybe um, the Six Nations do, and then go up and play uh, half of it um, around that period of time, and then and then let Super Rugby start after that, so uh, we can get more of a, a flow, more of a global season. You've got your All Blacks coming out of a pre-season, um, and that might give you the opportunity to play one or two of the second-tier teams to get ready. So, but you know, it's a good start. They've listened to the fans. They've listened. To themselves, really, because they've wanted this for a while, and, and I guess there's a lot of money involved in it too. Yeah, there's involved. a lot of money. We spoke about it on the show this morning with the broadcasting rights, obviously sponsorship, marketing that's going to be at their disposal post this, um, Steve. But this money, this money that you're talking about, how will it would it be spent? How would you like to see it spent in these smaller nations? We know the USA, United States, potentially a World Cup down the line. That's great news. So, how would we make ensure? That this money is put into the right places, where we, how would it be spent? Well, I think uh, the first thing you'd do is say, right, how much are we going to allocate um, to the poorer nations? So each mm. each team allocates a set amount, and then maybe have someone who coordinate that. You know, the guy that I would think about looking after that would be a guy called Steve Cherry. I think he's you know, a great rugby administrator. He knows what makes. Uh, teams tick and how to spend the money and where to spend it so get him to um, drive that and, and have some you know like I've, we've seen money go to a lot of these poor nations before and it's just been whittled away um, both legally and mm. illegally and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that but um, mm. you know it's just disappeared so we want the money to, to go to the right places and you know the same thing goes for our own money like we've got to spend it wisely too so Getting our development programs going better than they are at the moment would be, you know, one area that I'd think about uh, making sure we spend the money. Steve, uh, thanks for joining uh, myself and Izzy. Just just on that, the the, the development model. I know there's a, a second tier that they're talking about playing through this. How how important is it to make sure that the NZR um, in that twenties and and in that group below them get as much exposure? Um, globally as the All Blacks are getting? Well, I think if you want to continually be good at the top, you've got to have a feeder. And, you know, our feeder is our under-20s. We're starting to to play more games um, with that middle tier. Uh, All Black 15s, they're calling it. So I think that's good. Um, you know, we put a lot of pressure on our schoolboy players and... and uh, they're seen by everybody as you know league. It takes a lot of them. AFL are starting to pinch a few, so we've got to um, we've got to find a way to make sure that we retain the ones we want and, and give them opportunities to grow and 
um, understand that uh, this is the standards we need to reach if we want to be world class. So you know, we've got to put programs in place that, that identify them uh, a lot earlier than we are, I think. And the league boys are very good at it, so maybe go and have a chat to how they do it. Oh, don't get Tony started, please. Don't get Tony Kemp started. I've already seen oh, your right. comments as of late about the superior game that, that people are watching. Well, what is it about league that, you, that you're, you're enjoying and the innovation that they're coming up with, uh, Steve? Well, they just use common sense. Like, Philandes has been brilliant for league. Peter Philandes yeah. is a guy from New South Wales. Like, And he's got rid of all the nonsense and you've just got a game that's tailor-made for TV because it appears to be non-stop. Now, if you go and watch it live, there's a lot of people walking. But that wasn't the comment. The comment was it's good to watch it on TV. It's better than the rugby. Like, the, the semi-finals games were, were great. Uh, mm. Crusaders, not not so much. But the Brumbies-Chiefs and the Chiefs-Crusaders uh, final, they were wonderful games of footy. But that's only two games out of you know a whole competition. Whereas with with the NRL, they're all competitive, uh, and they're all good games to watch. So that's what what we've got to look at in the super competition. We've got to find ways to make it more competitive and therefore better to watch, and give the fans what they want. Steve, just talking about this tournament with the uh, the twelve teams. Do you, do you see it? I guess over the over the years, changing much from those twelve teams because of that that promotion relegation um and what are the i guess what are the pros and cons of this with the with the difference in the northern hemisphere and the amount of games they play and of course our players and the players association probably combating that with a, a duty of care um, policy that they'll be looking at yeah look i think uh, the duty of care is going to be really important it's still, it, it is at the moment yeah. i mean we're not going to play too many more games uh, i wouldn't think but we're going to be playing uh, higher level games and playing more consistently against uh, opposition. Like, I don't know how many times we've played England in the last uh, eight, ten years. It hasn't been a lot. Uh, now we're going to play them every year because they're going to be in that top 12. Um, don't know how often, again, we've played um, the likes of Ireland. You know, probably have played them a bit of late, but depending on what happens in the... Uh, in the schedule, you can go for quite some time without playing a team that you need to be playing. So I think that that will change things. Um, however, trying to, and that's what I suggested, you know, do we look at the schedules and try and get a schedule where we can have international rugby played and then um, give the guys a break or give them a pre-season? Like, imagine uh, Izzy coming into an all-black season fresh, where you could play, say, Samoa, Tonga, um, mm. you know, one of the second-tier nations up north, uh, as a pre-season um, get-together to go into to you know this 12-team tournament. I think it would be wonderful. And then you come back out of that, you can have a breather, and then go into Super Rugby. And, uh, we, have, we have to make some decisions around where NPC sits or mm. our national competition sits because um, you know it's, it isn't any longer the premier team and mm. and you know, our, our governance model um, has those people uh, making all the decisions about a game and they're trying to save uh, their patch and I understand that but we have to look beyond that because that, that's changed and if we don't you know, 
we're not going to do what's right for the game. So, you, so you're saying, Steve, that the NPC, the kind of the pathway through NPC to Super Rugby on to the All Blacks is kind of going to take a backward step from the situation. Is is that what you're saying? Is is there still well, it, a, a place all, for NPC in the game? There's still a place for it, but it's already taken a backward step. Mm. You know, it's not it's not the competition that it was. Once upon a time, you had mm. it was the it was the Super competition, wasn't it? That's all we had, mm. and. And uh, it's not like that anymore. The game's changed. I can't see us ever stopping playing Super Rugby. So it's now our third competition. If you if you make the All Blacks uh, international season the number one competition, Super second, and then third. So where do we play it? How do we get maximum value out of it? And uh, you know, for my my thinking, it's look. It's easy for me to say this without having to go through through all the planning, but. I would play the All Black International window uh, early in the year. Then I'd go to NPC and and uh, then I'd play Super Rugby. And then you get a, a break, and um, that way you'd get you know your players would get looked after. You'd be able to uh, allow your All Blacks to miss that NPC window, take a breather. That's where they get their freshener up, and they don't have to miss so many Super games. Um, I still like the idea of playing five games, no more than five games in a row. But if you're in Albrook, because uh, you know that's what they're doing in Ireland and, and other places now, and they've started to work out that you just can't keep flogging a dead horse. Mm. You know what it's like. You, you, big seasons when you play too many games, your body just can't take it. So, so you, uh, this this coming together is this a sign of of unity from the north and the south? Are we are we finally getting the voices being heard? Because that's been the trouble as of late, Steve. Like just trying to find the window that suits both. Is this the one that fixes that? Well, I think it's a start. I don't think it fixes it yet, but it's a start. Mm. And and now there's something that's bigger uh, than just. You know the November test or the July test. We've actually got something that the broadcasters saying we'll pay a lot of money for, which will get people to sit down and listen to each other. And for a long time, uh, Six Nations have dictated to World Rugby about whatever is needed because they they will not change uh, Six Nations because it, it, it's a winner. You know it works for them. Um, so if they won't change, then maybe we have to change. Like we're playing rugby in that period, we're playing super rugby. So can we be flexible enough in our thinking to to look at our our window and say, well, look, can we do it another way? Um, and you know, it might be that uh, we can do that. So if we can do it, let, let's look at it, and, and if it makes it better for the players and makes it better for the fans, you know, we're winning, aren't we? Steve, but is it? Is definitely, there a, the Six Nations. Gonna, sorry, here you go. No, I was just going to say, is there a possibility that there's a tear missing in this model? If you're talking about 12 teams coming in, and then you've got the Six Nation playing up there, and all the 14 in the in the Northern Hemisphere playing off, is there is there a, an issue that the Super Rugby actually suffers if we don't get a a dead set addition to that football? Um, you know, you've lost South Africa. Now you've got all these extra games. What What do you see the effect on Super Rugby? Well, I, I think the Super Rugby's already been affected because South Africa have taken out their Super mm. teams. Whether they, uh, mm. but the, I guess there's a, a plus to that though. There's less travel. 
So um, do I wish they were still in it? Yeah, I do, but the travel side of things, I, I guess, is, is a bonus. But um, we've still got them in the rugby championship and this will make sure they stay in it. Um, so that's a, that's a big plus. Super Rugby has to find a way to be more competitive and more demanding um, on the players. So we get games like we got, as I mentioned before, you know, the Brumbies Chiefs semi-final and the final itself. Two fantastic games of footy. Um, now, if we could get those every week or similar standards to those every week, then people would flock to it. You know, they'd be coming back to the game. And and um, I know um, a lot of people weren't happy with the refereeing, but I, I thought he did a pretty good job. But, you know, he missed a forward pass. But so they miss forward passes in every game. And sometimes that's just the way it is. Like, for me, I'd just get rid of the TMO and say, right, I ref, you ref it. And if we miss something, well, we've just got to be big boys and put our big boy pants on and live with it. And, and yeah. you, know, you get rid of all this nonsense of, of everybody doing the ref. Like, you're no different than, you know, people drop balls. People, like, Damien made a mistake by being inside the 10 metre mark. So everyone makes those. So just live with that. But get a game that has got some flow to it and it's not stop starting and, and uh, it's really competitive. If we can get a super competition like that, then everyone's going to get excited by it again. But if it's too it's something up in half. You know, I will... Yeah, go. Sorry, Coach. I was just going to say that I was something I've been harping on for a while now. Um, the the way that it's been riffed is there's too much reliability on the TMOs, which is taking away the instinctual decisions from these referees. So oh, I'm with you on that. Oh, I reckon we get rid of that. We yeah. allow these refs to ref, and if they make mistakes, they're like players. They become accountable, and they might get a, a little bit of a spray from Steve Henson, like Monday mornings when Izzy Dag had to walk in with his armour on, ready to rip into a review. But <laughs> you take that on the chin, and you move on, isn't it, you coach? Didn't get, you, you, you didn't get too many sprays for your rugby. <laughs> <laughs> what, what else, then? Uh, you know. He he talks about it off air, Steve, quite a bit that he got uh, he got a few sprays from you. What what about um, what about this this all black team leading into the World Cup, Steve? Are you, are you confident that they've selected the right right team? And and what are your concerns if you have any? Uh, I don't have too many actually. I think he has selected a very good side. Um, well, they have. Mm. Um, you know, going into the last World Cup, we were struggling with our mobility and our and our, our props. Um, this group they've selected, they've got boys that are or men that are younger, but uh, they're good athletes and uh, very capable both with ball in hand and defending. So that's a massive asset to a forward pack. I think um, Scott Barrett and and Brodie Ritalik and if Sammy gets fit. Again, that uh, Kelly's right. Uh, you know the locks are looking good. Lucy's are, uh, are pretty strong. Um, Ethan Blackadder, I'd like to see him get an opportunity, maybe. Mm. But you know he's been injured uh, so much this season; it's been unfortunate for him. But uh, people are just starting to step up a little bit. Um, there's some real competition at first five. Not only uh, Richie playing really well, um, Bowden's starting to come back into a little bit of form. And but you know um, Damien's been outstanding. 
uh, midfield strong. Uh, so, you know, and we've always been blessed with back three players. So um, we're a big chance. It's just uh, if the dice fall the right way. Like to win a World Cup, everything's got to go right. And two of the best sides in the world are going to get knocked out in the quarterfinals because we're all on that side of the draw. Mm. Yeah, no, you're dead right. It's exciting. It's exciting times there, coach. Before we let you go, what are you up to now? You're obviously over in Japan, got your fingers in more pies than anyone. What's going on, mate? Nature Strip, when's it back? Having a wee rest? Uh, Nature Strip's back in work now. He's had a good holiday. He's a bit like you. He got a bit tired last year, so after (laughs) travelling around the world, so needed a wee break. Um, But he's by all accounts come back looking real good and muscled up well and uh, enjoying life back at the stables um, what am I doing I'm, I'm helping uh, Toyota of Blitz over here in Japan so um, we're just getting a few things sorted for the pre-season and, um, and then I'm off for a, a, a bit of a cruise uh, from Vancouver to Alaska uh, oh. I'm flying out today so looking forward to that I'll have one for you while I'm on the boat mate <laughs> looking at the big waves Oh, beautiful, Steve, man. You're living the life. I absolutely love it. Give my love to Tash, mate. Appreciate your time this morning. Well, the, Good to hear your voice, Coach. Good on you, man. Great to hear from you both. And, yeah, good to see you've still got a giggle in you. <laughs> He's got more than one giggle in him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's why you should get more than one, one or two blasts. <laughs> yeah, because I've been an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, too busy being an idiot rather than the player that he was capable of being. But anyway, he got there occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coach. Thanks very much. All, All the right, best. Mate. No worries, brother. Good Cheers, there, Steve. Bro. Thanks a lot yeah, for that. That's great. Love the family. Yeah, no yeah. worries, Tony. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Steve Henson. Ah, there's a lot of nuggets out of that, Savvy Hewitt. I've never heard uh, Steve laugh so much in his life. Boys, he, relaxed, you, you did, he? he did a great job there. And, uh, well, I certainly need to hear about these um, these incidents uh, no. that these sprays <laughs> led to, Izzy. Maybe that's an off-air conversation. Um, Definitely off-air. Yeah, look, um, no, yeah, a couple of great um, points in there. I, I thought it was interesting talking about the conveyor belt and talking about the under-20s as well, who I actually just read, Izzy, um, have failed to make the semifinals. They, they did beat Japan with a big win, but under points differential, they're not into the semifinals, which, you know, when you think about that under-20s tournament for so long... That was New Zealand's tournament, you know, um, and and so many of our best came through that system. So, you know, he talked about that in the convey about um, not quite being there at the moment, and and then touched mm. on that with MPC and and Super Rugby. Um, interesting as well, talking about the NRL. He, he raises a point that I think um, a lot of people feel with um, NRL, Kimby, who maybe are watching it for the first time or or um, aren't as well versed in it. When you go to an NRL game, it's a lot different in person. You, you see a lot of guys. Um, you know, walking around because the game is obviously so fast. It's like touch rugby. It's, it's back and forth. So you get a lot of guys walking in the back play, a lot of guys not doing much as teams are going through their sets. You don't see that on TV. On TV, yeah. the cameras are focused to make it look like there's always players moving and something happening. They've done a great job, the NRL, of not not faking it till you make it, but but making of, of disguising some of the parts of the game that some might find boring and making everything else seem amazing. 
rugby hasn't really captured that yet, and maybe Super Rugby, and mm. and that also goes to the big breaks in play with you know um, set pieces with the TMOs. Um, so yeah, look, scratch the TMO. I, I certainly think you can have a reduced TMO role. Um, I don't think they need to look at absolutely everything, and you know they don't need to spend five minutes going through certain decisions I think you can you can see something pretty quick and make a decision fast you know yeah it's like, it's like that so I mean, I, look I think he, he like as he said he said quite a few um, polarising things there one about the, the state of rugby in New Zealand he he, he bridged the um, the conversation between where it needs to go with it with what the NRL product's doing that's what we spoke about off the back fence um on Monday about, you know, like looking at this through a 30-year 30, 30 lens mm. because Rugby League was like this 30 years ago. Yeah, totally. It was exactly the same place where this global game was just about to take off. So um, it's a it's a real interesting conversation from Steve. I, the, the part I liked when he said, uh, we've definitely got a chance at the World Cup. I, that's the part I took out of it. Yeah, plenty of takeaways from Steve Hansen. If you just missed that, you can head over to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on the podcast. Have a wee listen. Plenty to dissect from that conversation. We'll shoot off and we'll be back shortly. You listen to Izzy Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. All right, it's time to head over to the countryside with our sport and connection to the land brought to you by Collier's Rural and Agribusiness Licence, REAA. 2008, Ben May, good morning. Dagger, that's, that's very professional of you, Dagger. <laughs> hey, I've just got to run and turn my four-wheeler off so you can't hear it. I'll be... Uh, <laughs> 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 there he is. Can you give us He's any? out there yeah, in right. the frisk cold. Can you give us any tips oh, on that four-wheeler, Ben? Oh, I've, I've got a four-wheeler. Can you give us any tips? Oh, don't roll it. <laughs> <laughs> you got a helmet yeah. on? They hurt, they hurt when, they, when you roll them, eh? <laughs> hey, hey, Bama, yeah, obviously it's yep. cold out there, mate. It's chilly. How are you getting up? How are you Ooh. finding these cold, brisk mornings, mate? Mate, it's brisk when you got to get up and you're up for three hours before daylight, I can tell you. It's, oh, um, but man. hey, look, it's all good. Could be, um, could be living in the bay, bro, and have half your stuff washed away, so I don't sort of tend to complain a lot. Oh, I could imagine, mate. Look, quickly, how'd you get into the farming, mate? Was that always part of the, of the future for you? You always been into the farming? Yeah, mate, always part of the and I grew up farming, and then, uh, well, as you know, I was on borrowed time my whole rugby career, so I sort of always kept my hand in it and did a bit of networking, and then um, mm. well, I actually managed to uh, marry a beautiful Taranaki uh, wahine, and um, we ended up back on one of her family farms. Yeah, that's right. That's where that's where all the good ones come from. Don't you don't you worry about that, Ben. Hey, what about the water table, Ben? How's it affecting the farm at the moment? Yeah, it's pretty wet, mate. But it's we had a pretty good run for um, for about a month, so we're just uh, grateful for that. And it's always wet here, mate, in the winter. So sort of everyone just puts their uh, big boy pants on and see you in the spring, sort of job. Mate, to run us through a day in the life of Ben May on the farm. Oh, always changing, mate. But basically, up at four, get down the shed, sort the cows out, milk. Uh, and then you've got 
all sorts of jobs to do, feeding out, cause mags, breeding, bloody cal- calves to pick up, feed the calves, back into milking, and do it all again. And what's the price of milk solids like at the moment, Ben? Are you buying a new car this uh, this spring? Nah, shit, no, mate. We we buy tractors and motorbikes and things. <laughs> Go on to the days of buying cars. <laughs> Hey Ben, um, um, how, how do you how do you reckon Dagger would go uh, in the milkshed just quietly? Oh mate, he'd go all right, you know. He'd be natural, but oh, it's just the repetitiveness, you know. And he, and his knees would bugger out because you're standing on concrete. I've actually just got these flash new um, easy mats, and geez, I was, I was heading for an early retirement until I put them in, and now I'm back to she's all good now. They're magic. <laughs> Mate, when you you were probably one of the most um, vain props going around. You had a better rig than most outside backs. Is that rig still in good condition? Mate, it actually is. You see, because I'm on a bit of a, I'm on a bit of a. Um, haven't got time to eat. I'd love to, but I haven't got time. So uh, yeah, the old the old tucker's few and far between for me. So I'm, by chance, by accident, I've still got a bit of a six pack there and. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it never goes away, mate. Oh, beautiful. Oh, before we let you I, go, mate, you're a busy man. Are you watching any footy at the moment? You cast your eye over the telly? Yeah, of course I was. Yeah, shit, yeah, watching the... How good was that? Crusaders getting up. That was um, that was pretty remarkable. So, uh, yeah, no, I love watching the young fellas coming through. You know what it's like, Dagger. Um and I'm looking forward to this weekend, actually, to see where we're at. Sort of a bit of a stake in the ground, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, this Sunday, Crusade, uh, All Blacks taking on Argentina. Yeah, go. Yeah, question, question to you, boys. How are we going to go this week? You're going to win. Oh. 100%. <laughs> and shoot oh, it. He's going to absolutely carve up. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll... I'll, I'll We'll see when this team comes out. What day is it? Wednesday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday morning. And uh, who's going to start? Ten and fullback. Oh, Richie. Mm, I'd love to say. Uh, I'd love to say my old mate Baz at the back there, yeah. but yeah, I'll be between him and um, and the young fella Jordan. But we'll see. All good, all good, Ben. We appreciate your time, brother. Get back to that farm, all right? No doubt your your cows are, are cold. Can, is there any way of warming them up, mate? You warming their feet up? Your ones will be wearing slippers, won't they? <laughs> no, mate. No. I don't get to get bloody warmed up either, so they can bear with it. Bear with me. <laughs> all right, Bama. Appreciate your time, brother. Have a good day, and hey, thanks cheers, for joining mate. us. Keep up the great work. Beautiful lads, you too. <laughs> that's got to be one of the best questions I've ever heard. Uh, are your cows cold? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he actually you, thinks I'd be good at farming. I've got no chance of farming. Oh, man. I feel for them. They're out there. It's cold. Anyway, someone that's probably cold for waiting is Smithy. He's coming up.